The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Tuesday. Gary, how are you? Good, and we were in the middle of a conversation, and and uh, it it relates to the the story that I was looking at uh, that uh, you know on on the uh, actor strike and the writer strike, yeah. And Barry Diller saying actually a couple of days ago, and we talked a little bit about it last night, but uh, it was a big story today, and on social media it was just awesome to watch the responses. That what needs to happen is the movie exe- Barry Diller was saying this: the movie executives former movie executive himself, mm-hmm. that uh, in order for Hollywood to survive, uh, you need to have a 25% pay cut for all the executives and all the high-paid actors. And and we'll get yeah. to that here in a little bit, yeah. but you and I were just talking about the whole Disney thing and the Disney story that was out uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, what was the headline? You had the headline uh, there? Here it is from uh, Bloomberg. Bob Iger shifts from building an empire to a Disney yard sale. Now, we know something about this personally because it was Bob <laughs> Iger who was asked back in the day when our radio company, the, mm-hmm. you, the former owner, was Disney. Mm-hmm. And they had asked him, I don't know if it was on an earnings call or if it was at an event. Uh, but they asked him, I think it was at an event, what about the radio division? (laughs) And he held up a DVD. I think it was just a random DVD. And he said, any DVD release that we have at Disney makes more in its first day of release than the entire radio division. (laughs) And I told everybody, oh, we're up for sale. We're gone. And for sure, we were. Uh, they sold us and and to a much better, eventually a much better company. Thank you. Um, and now this story comes out uh, over the weekend from Bloomberg, and it, it it lines out what's going on with streamers. Now, Netflix is still doing very well as a streamer. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is they've had, of course, their ups and downs. They all do. But one of the dynamics that's been really uh, 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 spelled out very clearly from earnings 
and they're looking at it is people get Disney Plus for a month to watch, I don't know, whatever, and then or maybe two months, three months, and then they jump off and they get something else. They they won't stack their streaming very deep. They may have Netflix and Disney Plus at the same time. They won't have Hulu, Paramount Plus, and everything else. And by the way, Paramount Plus is, is hurting worse than mm-hmm. any of them right now, the big streamers. So now you have uh, Disney and they their streaming division lost $800 million in the most recent quarter. So you don't have a choice. Bob Iger, remember, he was brought back to save the sinking ship. And a lot of that happened after their battle with, uh, with Governor DeSantis. And then he renewed that battle with Governor DeSantis for some stupid, Stupid reason. <laughs> at the same time, where yeah. at the same time where he's saying, "Well, it was stupid uh, the battle that we got into." Yes, and it's like he's and continuing. Then the earnings <laughs> still continue because here's the thing: when you look at a company like Disney, where do most of us spend our money with Disney? Well, we're the the majority of us are not going to their parks on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We're not going to. Do they still have the stores and the malls? Do they still have malls? Um, so, so. So we're it, it's in the streaming. If if you talk about right the average consumer where they spend, if, if where most consumers spend a, their uh, a a regular amount of money, a consistent spending trend, it's with their streaming. So the trend when you see something die down, when you see something kind of go away, uh, you have to ask, all right, what. What's at the core of it? I don't know if it's, you know, how much of it uh, you can attribute to the the back and forth with DeSantis and and Florida. I don't know that. Um, But you can certainly see the correlation, maybe not causation. It's probably a part of it. I would say it is. I I would say it is. What you're saying is you can't tell us the percentage. Well, because right. Because, uh, yeah, I wouldn't uh, there. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that for a second, that, that it's at least part of it. And here's why. When you talk about streaming, the parents then are inviting that Disney influence into their living room right, on a regular basis. And, and the one thing about streaming, it's, it's a different dynamic than, than even with cable. When you get streaming, you're, it's almost like a jukebox, right? It's you bought something specific and you really want to get the most out of that money. You really want to get the most out of that investment. Even when we were paying for cable and satellite TV, uh, you know, as long as you, you were cruising through the channels, even if you weren't, you know, watching most channels, you, the psychology is that you got, you know, your money's worth because you could cruise through a few hundred channels. But now... The streaming thing is, I paid for that. I want the most out of it. You're there for a reason. And the influence being brought into the home, you can't discount that with this back and forth. By the way, it's a war with the parents. It has nothing to do with any political war. This is a war with the parents. And Disney, under the leadership of Iger, still doesn't see this. And now... Losing eight hundred million in their streaming, and I've been watching this here in recent months. What's going on with the streamers? Because once you see this this trend, and you recognize what's going on, you it it makes sense. 
people jumping on and off for whatever reason. But if they jump off and they don't come back, you've got a huge problem because the churn rate on all of them is is uh, fairly healthy. Paramount, their churn rate is, is, is higher than the average of all the big streamers. And, and they don't have – their subscriptions mm-hmm. are, are, are much lower uh, numbers-wise than uh, in terms of total homes than, than the others. But Netflix is, you know – still doing well at least recently um they've had their ups and downs but disney is a different kind of brand because disney has gone back and forth you know netflix had their back and forth too they were putting a lot of woke programming on uh the whole dave Chappelle thing where they had to kind of walk the fence on that um but now you have the the disney dynamic and it has some speculating that they are considering selling other parts of Disney. I would be very surprised at that. I don't know what it would be. Uh, it could be movie divisions. It could be everything. You know, remember with the overdevelopment of Starbucks when there was a Starbucks on every corner and there was a joke about a Starbucks and you know on every block, and there's still a lot of them, but that overdevelopment really hurt them. Uh, the same thing happened with Krispy Kreme Donuts for a different reason. You had the Atkins thing hit at the same time Krispy Donuts. Krispy Kreme Donuts wanted to go nationwide, and that was just horrible timing. But in the case of Disney, they went out and they captured a bunch of properties, and the reason was is because they wanted to have a greater amount of content, variety-wise, uh, on their streaming. It did not work for them, and, or it hasn't worked for them yet. And well, so the question would be, do you get rid of the streaming, or do you just get rid of some of the properties that aren't bringing people mm-hmm. to the streaming? And there would be the question. You know, we, we've talked about what's going on in Hollywood right now and the challenges that uh, they face, besides the the <laughs> the legitimate perception of wokeness. In, and, and we've asked the thing, is it going to be decentralized? You know, I, I talked about in the town next to me, they're building a massive movie studio. Mm. And we talked about the fact, you know, the the union model overall. Does the union model fit 10 years from now? Or are there going to be a lot of independent movie companies that aren't a part of, of you know, that that uh, aren't a part of SAG-AFTRA? Right. You know, is, is that going to happen? Are independent movies? And there's a great chance that that is going to happen, especially if the monopoly believes that the public wants entertainment that the public doesn't want and yeah. and that yeah. and so that's a huge problem but when it comes to the churn rate believe me i know about it because i when i dropped what was it a year and a half two years ago when i dropped mm. uh when i dropped a uh satellite mm. and i just looked at it and just said i'm not watching it i'm not getting anything and even most of the channels because i really didn't have any premium channels so all the channels are showing commercials Anyway, yeah, and then yeah. when I got my new TV a year and a half ago, this was six months after, and I really wasn't watching much TV at all. And then I didn't even I didn't even know I didn't even know those apps existed on smart TV that would give you so much free TV. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that Pluto existed. I had no idea Freevee existed. I had no idea that Tubi existed or Redbox uh, existed. There's like four, and there may be even a fifth one. Uh, that I know is uh, that that's out there, and then you can add apps. You can add you can actually add apps to the new smart TVs. But I'm, you're talking about the fact that there's you know they're running 
not only are they running TV shows and movies live and streaming them, they've got on demand for free. So you can go through and you probably can. And I have more choice right now what to watch with free TV. Yes, it has commercials, but so do the majority of cable outside of the, the premium channels. And like I said, last year for two months, November and December, <laughs> I got HBO Max so I could watch, remember, the uh, the, the Christmas Story 2 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> want, yeah, right. I wanted to be able to watch it. Ended up watching it uh, uh, a couple of times uh, with some, you know, uh, uh, with some family that were huge Christmas Story fans. Mm. And then I know you look, for example, I can't tell you how many guys I know that, you know, have dropped ESPN which is sick and tired of the politics, but might get ESPN for ESPN Plus and pay whatever it is. I don't know what it is, $7.99, I'm, I'm not sure if it's gone up or whatever, just to catch maybe college basketball the last two months. Yeah. Or they were covering yeah. hockey. And you and if you're only paying the 8 bucks, whatever it was a month, uh, you could get most of your in-market NHL games that you wanted to watch without going to – NHL center ice, which actually was more expensive. I don't know what the landscape looks like uh, this year uh, uh, on it. Mm-hmm. But now that, you know, DirecTV has lost the NFL ticket, what is the reason to go to satellite? What right. is yeah. what is the right. reason to go to satellite? Yeah. What is the reason to go to cable? I don't see it. And so you look at our demographic, which is an older demographic. Mm-hmm. If we're saying no and the streaming gives the older demographic so many of the old TV shows that they like. And it does. It gives you so many of the TV shows. And then, you know, I've got, you know, the digital antenna. And in Dallas here, I mean, how many over-the-air stations do we have? I probably have the choice of 500, and I'm not exaggerating. I probably have the choice of 500 TV channels to watch on air and streaming right now. Yeah, right. And and so uh, it's, you know, with the the uh, the new technology, with the new smart TVs, it's seamless. I mean, you go, you know, the way they've got it all set up, it just takes it's not like, oh, I'm waiting for the, you know, the streaming to come on here. It's like that. Mm-hmm. And even on my TV, I have an LG TV and the LG channels are seamlessly put in right after the on air channels. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. just continue through that. Without going to any of the apps, I probably have 300 channels that I can go on air, and then it seamlessly goes right to your streaming. What's interesting is that I talked to an executive for a company that uh, designed smart TVs, and this goes back a few years. And what they were doing at that time is developing mechanisms and the processing, trying to uh, increase the processing uh, processor rate for those TVs so that you could they could do exactly what you're talking about and the, and the design is to mimic uh surfing through channels right exactly and and so uh and they're all they're all doing it now that's why i mean you can get an older tv uh very cheap uh but if you want a faster processor for that reason or what and anything else you know i mean gamers get these incredible tvs that are just <laughs> insane um and you know the the idea is to give you that experience of of not missing that 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 thing of of where you can just say okay I just want to mindlessly cruise and see what's up you know what what's what's where 
there was something to that, you know, where you would veg out and you would just sit and stare at the TV and cruise through channels and you would land on something. You don't know what you want to watch. You just know you want to just veg mm-hmm. out for a while. And those are the things that, you know, that that really, I think, play into the the the, the sensibilities that remain from the old days of of cable TV and satellite TV and 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 where we're going with streaming. But the quote that that came in uh, and this was from a CNBC David Faber interview with Bob Iger recently on the whole thing on selling, you know, Faber asked him, well, FX, uh, Nat Geo, it's possible you would look to sell then. Because uh, he's talking about the things that are working, Iger is, and then he, then he, and Faber brings those up as examples. He says, "We're going to be expansive." I think if you can uh, interpret whatever that word means, you know, we're just getting at that work. We want to be able to, uh, we want to be open-minded and be objective about the future of these businesses, which sounds a lot like how he was talking right before he sold. Uh, radio division years ago. But the the whole idea would be, of course, you don't want to keep anything where people aren't landing there. If they're not landing, and, right. and it could mean just certain properties on under their streaming. It could mean that some of their cable properties that they, you know, still own, um, you know, some of their studios that aren't, you know, producing anything that's, that's profitable. Uh, you know, that might be a, that might be a turn that they take, but it will be a different streaming world and entertainment world in the very near future. For sure. 866-90-RED-EYE. On a hot summer day, the last thing you want to feel is a blast of warm air when you turn on your air conditioning. A malfunctioning AC system will leave you uncomfortably shifting in your seat. Not to mention, it can affect the safety and performance of your entire vehicle and your productivity. When issues with your AC system begin to occur internally, your truck will give you some warning signs. Those include a noisy compressor and a lack of water dripping from the cab drain tube while your AC is running. If you experience either of these warning signs, you should have your AC system inspected by a professional technician immediately. Listen to your truck and invest the time now to avoid spending more time in the shop later on. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Friday right Radio. He's Eric Carney and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, when we we talk about streaming and where it's it's going, you know, I guess we could represent the older sect, which is saying, forget about it. Why should we pay for this? And as you get most people, when they get at least to my age, mm-hmm. uh, a significant portion are retired at that point and on our limited income. And they're just dropping cable like crazy. And if you're younger, are you even paying attention to what's on cable or satellite. Yeah. Or are yeah. you just on yeah. your phone on TikTok, YouTube, whatever, whatever. The rest of them are out there. Right. I mean, I just really wonder, you know, and that's why I look at this going on right now. And in Hollywood, I'm like, (laughs) they have no idea where the business is going. How do you write a contract and a long-term contract, a 10-year deal in Hollywood where you have no idea where streaming or anything is going? I saw a comedian on a podcast recently that said, you know, I approached, I did a pitch for a movie. And the the first question you get from the major studios is, why should we do this movie now? What they're asking is, how do we essentially appeal to the activist mindset yeah. right now? Yeah. And the comedian, from a comedian standpoint, it's do a funny movie. Just do a funny movie to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. People still want to laugh. I love just goofy, funny movies. They don't have to have some serious plot that gets to some kind of cause. Fourth branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Just a couple more uh, points on, on streaming and the whole Hollywood strike and everything else. Then we have to get to more important matters like uh, uh, Charles Barkley cursing like a frat boy defending Bud Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's here in a little bit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but the... Uh, it's just when you know we're we're talking about the problems that Disney's having, the situation in Hollywood, uh, and every single day there are more choices for people. Yeah, and yeah. if and I don't want to view myself as you know a get off my lawn old man mm-hmm. because oh I do I love that part of getting old <laughs> because I. I, I say that to the squirrels, by the way, every day. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Because I, I don't believe that I'm that that person or that I'm stuck in my ways. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be. Even, though I, have a, even <laughs> though I have a very calculated. 
I haven't sat on my front porch yet drinking beers and having the cooler next to yeah, me yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, but if you would have ever told me just two years ago mm-hmm. that I'd be paying the 10 bucks a month to have YouTube without commercials, and I would have viewed that as the best investment I've ever made in pay TV, because mm-hmm. I'm watching it on my TV, so it doesn't matter whether it's YouTube and technically coming from, you know, streaming. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's on my TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you would have ever told me that I would view that as my best investment, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. And, and so if things are changing so quickly that I'm still, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away. And you know something, when you were talking about the fact that if you're going to make a movie in Hollywood today, it's like, well, why are you making this movie at this time? Which means right. what wokeness are you attempting to do? Exactly. Uh, it was uh, the uh, the comedian Steve Byrne, mm. uh, you know, who told me one time, he said, it's horrible to make a movie in Hollywood. Yeah. Because you, it, you, his, when he was first in studio, he talked about how bad it was and what they Back then, this goes back a few years, what they were trying to, and this was on cable, but what they were basically trying, how they try and interject certain things and how the censors react to certain things on on television. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. When, When you look at where the studios are, you know, I'm, I know for a fact that, it's either my age or disconnect. I was never a big comic book fan growing up. I had friends that were, a couple of friends that were. So when the superhero movies came out, it's like, eh, all right. Um, at first, it was like, eh, okay. When uh, when the, the, the Michael Keaton Batman came out, uh, the station that I was at uh, actually bought out all the, the theaters in the Cineplex and showed it for free. We had our own essentially our own premiere of it locally. And it was a lot of fun, a fun promotion. And the movie was fun. But I'm I'm not part of the core audience of of this whole <laughs> this whole what it's become multiverse thing, you know, where everybody who's ever played Batman, everybody who's ever played Spider Man, everybody who's ever played Superman needs to be in the movie at the same time. And it's you know, for me I still, I still kind of giggle at, at at adults wearing silly outfits, especially if it includes a mask like Captain America or the Flash. That makes me laugh hard. Watching an adult have a serious conversation while wearing one of those masks is one of the funniest things you can put on the screen. I'm telling you, I, I, that takes me right back to the SNL bit the one time where it was a Star Trek convention and it was William Shatner, you know, at the Star Trek convention. Yeah. And there's, you know, John Lovitz and they're all dressed in all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And the they're cosplay. Like, and, yeah. and they're asking all these different questions, you know, questions, dumb questions to him. And he goes, for God's sakes, it's a TV show. He goes, yeah. Look. And he points at John Lovitz and says, have you ever had a girlfriend? Yeah, and right. Lovitz just lowers his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I, when when you see, even with the, uh, oh, what's the name of the movie? The, the Jim Caviezel movie. I just got mine blank here. Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. Mm-hmm. The fact that that's controversial, 
is just bizarre. It is strange. Because I haven't seen it yet, but, you know, the way that the left has, you know, embraced that as something that is a radical movie Mm -hmm. just shows you where Hollywood is. Hollywood is right now that everything, and going back to Steve Byrne, he was like, you know, there was like a checklist. You have this character, you have this character, you have this character, this character. And remember, I remember his response was, <laughs> "I'm Korean American. We have an Egyptian. We have, a, yeah. We, we've got a, we've got a black guy, and we've got a white guy. Yeah. And we've got a whole bunch of different. Yeah. He goes, what, you know, what do you want? Well, you, you got to check this one off. And what about a gay person, trans person? You know, this right that." He goes, all I want to do is do something funny that I relate to of where I grew up. And he grew up in Pittsburgh, and it was a Pittsburgh bar mm-hmm. and everything else. And just mm-hmm. my experiences. And it's a funny show. Well, you need to be inclusive and have all of this. Seinfeld got it in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. How come there isn't a major character that is a minority? He goes, well, because mm-hmm. that's not what I grew up with my particular friends. Not that there weren't some of the funniest. Oh, you know, yeah. You, <laughs> Jackie Childs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, or or even the um uh the uh the owner of monks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 forget to come over <laughs> looking at George when George is screaming, Could you please keep it down yeah. quiet? It's like totally an intimidating factor. Well it's based in, in New York. It's right. and it's so and, it was it's filled with ethnic influence yes, from it all around. Right. It's New York City. But it, but still they, they, they weren't happy. You cannot run the entertain and any type of entertainment complex mm-hmm. by doing that and saying we need to be woke and i do think that part of the problem that the there are executives inside these inside these companies that are saying we can't continue we can't sign a long term 10 year deal we don't know where anything is going and hollywood is becoming more woke than it's ever been before and nobody wants to go see those movies, right? And that's that's it. Um, what what have been the what's been the two biggest? You know, you 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 uh, you, you think about it. Um, Top Gun Maverick, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, Mission Impossible doing okay. I mean, it's still going to be a blockbuster, but uh, I hear it's not as great as they wanted it to be. Mm. Uh, but the uh, you know the movie you know the uh, you know again the when you look at it, what really matters is. You know what the budget was for the movie, what you spent to create the movie, and the profit margin. And so, if you if you if it costs you two hundred million to make a movie, and you make, uh, you know, you make a you know a billion dollars on it, uh, you know, okay, so that's five times the mm-hmm. amount. Mm-hmm. Well, you're already there with uh, the Sound of Freedom. Yeah, and you're. I mean, you're. You know, you're you're there based on the the profit margin from what you spent to make the actual movie. And and the one thing that, you know, you can say what you will about uh, Tom Cruise and, and his beliefs or behavior off the screen or, or even sometimes <laughs> during an interview with Matt Lauer. <laughs> wow. Uh, there are, there are, but the one thing that he seems to understand is the reason that you make movies, yes. or at least, at least the reason he makes movies. Yep. And and it's just pure entertainment. Yep. If it doesn't pour onto the screen, I don't care what they what they believe and what they stump for. There there's there are many character or many actors or produce and or producers that bring it to the screen because they believe that's their obligation to do so. And you know sometimes the audience buys it, sometimes they don't. These days, it's really hard to get away with because 
what we miss from Hollywood more and more is the all-out, just mindless entertainment. And that's it. Or mindful entertainment. You know, I think of the movie um, Memento. And when, uh, there was who was that, Christopher Nolan, uh, put this together, you know, this movie together, it's, man, it's a puzzle that will keep you going for, uh-huh. for a while. And it was just so well done. And it's like, you got to keep, and I like those movies sometimes, and then sometimes I like the, all right, I'm too tired to figure it all out, make it just happen right before my eyes. And make it, mm-hmm. you know, make it look cool, which is how they made billions of dollars on the superhero movies. They may not be for me, but they're clearly, clearly yeah, you, you, formula you, movies that are working. And you understand that there's a mass audience. For yeah. it. I, I'll never forget the first time because I really no interest. I got that. Uh, but I was impressed when I, the first time I saw National Treasure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Be- because yeah. and then the, the second yeah. one, yeah. because there's a whole there, you know, there's a whole thing through it, an entire story. And you're just drawn right into it. You're yeah. just and and so, but you you <laughs> there. There's a new movie with Nicolas Cage. I just saw the preview the other day. I think it's called The Old Man, and he plays uh, he plays a grandfather in the movie, and then something's going on that's dangerous with his granddaughter. I think his granddaughter, and then it turns out you know he has some skills that they didn't know about. But it's funny. It's it's a comedy. And, you know, when you can when you can do that and I think about that, you know, Nicolas Cage is kind of they say he's kind of weird. I don't care about any of that. What is he doing on the screen? There's and I'm blanking on the name of the movie that he did about himself where he basically plays himself. And it's one of the funniest, one of the best movies I've seen in years. And I bought it for that reason. So I could go back and, and watch it. That's the kind of. You know, stuff that you want to see where it it wasn't necessarily self-deprecating. I mean, I guess you could say that, but he he was having fun with himself, you know, his real self and the perception of that in a fictional setting in the movie. But he's still playing himself. Well, knowing was a I I like first when I saw knowing I liked Mm -hmm. it and I don't view it, you know, by how if it's on and I look at it now it was. Yeah. How did I watch it through the first time? Right. Yeah, I went, yeah, okay, it's yeah. a pretty good movie. The other one was, was a good movie he was in was the one where he could see ahead in the future like two minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember? And yeah. That was, that's, yeah. How, that's how he could do his act right. in Vegas. Yeah. Because he, was, he could see two minutes ahead, two minutes ahead, mm-hmm. two minutes, but only two minutes ahead. Right. And that's it's an interesting concept because you're like, okay, where is he now? You know, you're in the movie. You go, okay, is is he looking two minutes ahead, or is he in the present, or is he a minute ahead? Exactly. And, and that was, you know, that those things are those things are interesting. But what it what it does is it's entertaining you and making you think at the same time. Which there is a there is a you know genre for that. Right. People when they spend their money to go to see movies, not that there can't be a message, but you you got to entertain them. Hollywood isn't going there. Look yeah. at look at how many times here are the Oscar winners, huh? Yeah, yeah. Who, what, right? What movie, huh? Why, why? 
Yeah. Right. And, and, and By the way, that movie's called The Retirement Plan, not The Old Man. The Retirement, retirement Plan, plan is, uh, and it's coming out sometime yeah. this year. I, I don't know. So I, I look at yeah. Hollywood, I look at Disney, and I see everything that's going on right now, and I'm like, I just... So many don't get it. And the solution yeah. is not going to be, as Barry Diller said, well, they need to come to an agreement where the executives agree to take a 25% cut. And well, all the top actors need to take a 25% cut. That That's like just, I've got nothing to say, so I'm going to throw this out there because it shows I'm virtue signaling. Well, you know, I, I wonder at one, what point they get to like a, a pure rev share. You know, there, there's, yeah. there are rev yeah. shares now, but I mean... I really wonder if if they get to a point or if any studios look at that and say, look, here's the deal. We'll give you whatever it is, 1% of the net or a a tenth of 1% of the net or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, By the way, that that other movie about uh, Nick Cage about himself, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. You've got to see it's funny. It is hilarious. It's just (laughs) funny. It's written. It's a great movie. I love the title. Great movie. The Unbearable the the unbearable weight of massive talent it's seriously that's it what, was that's what you and i feel every single day uh, yeah well, that's we we feel your pain <laughs> nick we do we do 86690 red eye lines open for your calls 86690 red eye on red eye radio The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following uh, the top of uh, the uh, the hour, former FBI agent confirms key details of the Hunter Biden whistleblower's testimony, the GOP says. Uh, we've got coming up on uh, Wednesday, the two IRS whistleblowers will testify uh, before uh, Congress. Jamie Raskin, the ranking Democratic member of the House Judiciary Com- House Oversight Committee, excuse me, uh, claims uh, that their legitimacy is being eroded. <laughs> he's going to have a he's going to have a very very tough time 
uh, with uh, with uh, with that one. And Speaker McCarthy slams Democrats, quote, absolutely unacceptable anti-Semitic remarks. It has got to stop. That and more on the way. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the entire planet Earth, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Our partnership, 18 years strong this week. Yeah, and uh, check out our lineup, our new lineup. We used to start at 1 a.m. Eastern. Now we start at midnight Central. <laughs> and it's a new lineup, new lineup. It's an all-new lineup. New, all-new lineup. All-new lineup. All-new lineup. Have you seen the new lineup? Just... Incidentally, I want to mention something. Yeah. <laughs> well, finish it. Come on. Incidentally, I want to mention something. Yeah. There's a really good late night program. And when I have to work late, uh-huh. two guys, yeah. Eric and Gary, they are very good. Mm. And it is a damn good show, by the way. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Red Eye Radio. <laughs> you know, it, it's amazing. That, what, that was, that's like, what, 11 years ago? Yeah. 12, uh, 12, 12 years, years ago. ago. Oh. That's right. It's 2023. Ooh. Sorry, I didn't know the year. That's back when, mm-hmm. uh, when, when clearly uh, the company thought they had something on Mark Levin, so they forced him to do that. <laughs> that was actually before we were Red Eye Radio. It was about two uh, weeks. Two few, weeks. It was a few weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, before. it was December of 2011 when he did that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was December 15th or 17th. Yeah, I somewhere the in day. There. Yeah. You know how I remember it. I remember it because it's when we had the big meeting. Yeah. It was yeah. the night we, it was the afternoon we had the big meeting. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> remember we went to the, it was because we were moving from the studios at WBAP and we we're actually becoming, we were being uh, at that point owned by, where I forgot what company, we're, was that ABC? We're, it was ABC then at that point, right? Still ABC. In 2011? Yeah. No. No? No. Uh, Citadel? Yeah. Okay. But we were going to the parent company. It wasn't Westwood One yet. Actually, no. It was uh, it was Cumulus then at the end of 2011. Yeah, because they, they... Was it? Okay. Yeah, it was Cumulus? Cumulus bought us okay. in, I think it was September of 2011. So, yeah. All right. Because it was the ABC building we were at. Everybody was yeah, the yeah, old ABC yeah, yeah. executives. Because mm-hmm. remember we walked in... <laughs> And this is a just so people know, this is a pretty small operation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there aren't, you know, we don't, we, you know, we don't. Yeah, we know you're shocked by that. Yeah, we. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty small. 
And so we walk in, remember we walk into the conference room, there's like 50 people. I mean, it's overflow. I thought, oh, man, somebody's getting fired. And they're getting fired hard. (laughs) Now, I believe the only people left that were in that room, out of that overflow, are me, you, Brian, and Mindy. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that huge overflow room. It, it, well, and there's only <clears throat> one other person in the organization now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Mindy's our makes, sales manager and Brian's yeah. right across the window from us. Right. But uh, I, I don't think anyone else is. I first started working in that old building in 96, Yeah, Memorial Day weekend of 96, before I came to this job, actually. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so we were done with, and I was, I had, you were going on vacation or you had the day off because yeah. I had to go back. I had to drive home and I got caught in a traffic jam. Mm. And then our old boss gave us a call and said, Mark Levin just talked about you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I got I, the same call on the way home. Yeah, yeah. and and I remember because I was stuck in a traffic jam. I got no sleep and then had to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to do the, the show that night, and you were out, I believe. You weren't there for some reason. You had started vacation already. or Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was Christmas vacation. Yeah, so it was a Thursday night, I think, mm-hmm. that that happened. So, yeah, so we've, we've, we've kept that. <laughs> we don't get too many compliments, so we keep the ones that we get. <laughs> yeah. I worked every day through that Christmas vacation. It was worth it. We had to transition everything, you know, from the old place to here. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was worth it. Well, not, I mean, every not day, to here. I didn't, we weren't. Yeah, well, trip. to the other building. To the other building. Uh, right. to, the, to the show is what I was referring to. Right, right. And the only day I had off was Christmas. And I think I still had New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, wow. It was a long time ago. That was yeah, back, so, back before all the craziness. Just, just so you know, because people, it doesn't make sense. You guys say 18 years, but that was 12 years. Or, well, that's because Eric and I were together before mm-hmm. Red Eye. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Right. So just so yep. people know that. So there you go. 18 long years. Yeah. I put it on Facebook yesterday. A lot of people commented. Oh, Bob Chomper was like, how come my, because I put a bunch of pictures on. Uh, oh, yeah. A bunch <laughs> of our pictures. One of them is what we mentioned earlier, Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne's in the. Oh, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Right. I, I actually put that. I don't know why. It's a black and white picture. I don't know why. You know what it was? Hmm. I made it a black and white picture. That's what I did. I filtered it because you couldn't see anybody. <laughs> no, our lights in the old studio <laughs> yeah, were, they were terrible. not working properly. Right. And yeah. So, yeah. so I put some, I just, I put some pictures in. And and Bob where he goes, Where's my how come my picture isn't there? And I realized there are no pictures with you, me, and Bob, who was our first boss. Yeah, we and were, I, think, some... I think we know why. <laughs> Bob, you know why. <laughs> He's, this is gonna get around to him in about a month. <laughs> what? What? No, what? <laughs> why? You know. Our former boss. I don't want to say old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will. Our former boss, who's really old. <laughs> He's older than me. Yeah. I think by a is year. Is he? 
I think by a year. Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't know that. I thought he was younger. No. I don't know why. No, because he retired a couple of years. No, I think yeah. he's, he's like a year older than me. Mm. So, all right. He, he retired a few years back. All right. So, all right. So, where, what do you what do you want to hit? Let's go with this. Ah, okay. Because we're going to have the whistleblower testimony on Wednesday. Uh-huh. And what came out yesterday is a former FBI agent who served as the supervisor of the federal investigation into Hunter Biden at the IRS. Mm. Confirmed key portions of the whistleblower testimony concerning alleged political interference by the Biden administration into the investigation Republicans on the House Oversight Committee said on Monday. Today, a former FBI supervisory uh, special agent assigned to the FBI's Wilmington office and the Biden criminal investigation confirmed key portions of the IRS whistleblower's testimony. Comer said, uh, Committee Chairman Representative James Comer said in a statement, sorry, I, I get so used to these names or I just said Comer. Assuming everybody knows who that is, but uh, the night before the interview of Hunter Biden, both Secret Service headquarters and the Biden transition team were tipped off about the planned interview. On the day of the Hunter Biden interview, federal agents were told to stand by and could not approach Hunter Biden. They had to wait for his call. As a result of the change in the plans, IRS and FBI criminal investigators never got to interview Hunter Biden. As part of the investigation, Comer said. He added that the Department of Justice's efforts to cover up uh, for the Bidens showed that there was a two-tier system of justice and vowed the committee would continue to seek answers, transparency, and accountability uh, that the American people demand and deserve. The White House, of course, did not immediately respond uh, to Fox News Digital's request for comment because the White House does not answer any questions anymore at all. And if they do answer a question, it's not, the answer is not in response to the question that you asked. Yeah, right. It may be a response, but it is not a response. They say things, they just don't answer questions. Right. They say things, they give answers, but the answers very rarely. (laughs) They give replies. I mean, very, very rarely their replies have nothing to do with the question being right. asked. Exactly. And then if you say, well, that's not answering my question. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, the whistleblowers have said decisions in the case uh, are influenced by politics. They also allege federal prosecutors block lines of questioning related to President Biden and said the U.S. attorney in charge of the probe, David Weiss, uh, uh, did not have authority to uh, to bring charges. The testimony comes as a committee investigates the Biden's business dealings and as the two IRS whistleblowers are testifying this coming Wednesday. Uh, it will be Gary Shapley and whistleblower X, whose identity will be revealed. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, House Oversight Committee uh, Chairman James Comer responded to claims from his panel's ranking member that the GOP side is uh, is leading uh, to its legitimacy being eroded as its investigation into the Biden family business dealings continue. MSNBC host and former Biden White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki asked Jamie Raskin about a witness 
in Comer's Pro being indicted on allegations that he was an unregistered lobbyist, among other charges, as they discussed the probe. Uh, Raskin replied that uh, he is overall concerned that the House Oversight Committee is suddenly being compromised in a really serious way. Our legitimacy is being eroded by the tactics of Chairman Comer. Comer fired back on Fox, saying his comments were disappointing but not surprising. The the tactics that we are using in the House Oversight Committee, uh, the tactics are what we're using is a thing called evidence. And it's something that Jamie Raskin has no concept of and the Democratic liberal media will not consider. Uh, we have the Biden's bank records. We have bank violations from six different banks that all reported to the Treasury Department that they felt like the Biden family was laundering money through shell companies. They were concerned about the fact that some of these wires were uh, they were getting from foreign nationals were from state-owned entities. Comer said neither Raskin nor uh, Saki can cite any preponderance of evidence officially put forward by the committee that is not backed by facts or documentation such as bank records. As we have said, I mean, and they're talking about, what's his name, Gap Luff, the uh, the uh, uh, Israeli guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's who they're talking about. We've, we've gone through that already, who claims that the reason that they've indicted him is because he's he's got the evidence that, you know, on uh, he's got evidence on China. Right. That, you know, shows it. You know, I don't know whether it's the truth or not, but that's only one witness that we have gone through and said, well, we'll see where that goes. But that doesn't change anything from the evidence that exists. As we said, the difference is, and it's very important, because a lot of people don't really, you know, a lot of people are busy with their lives. And as we've said, anybody out there who's an independent and you're not sure what's going on or you're uh, just uh, conservative and haven't really been paying attention, when we look back, we all remember 2016 when Trump was accused of colluding with the Russians to hack or change the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. That was completely false. Mm-hmm. That was created by the Hillary campaign. The Hillary campaign did exactly what they claimed the Trump campaign did. And by the Democrats' own standard, they're the ones that colluded with the Russians to create a lie and sell that lie to the media and to law enforcement to get a secret warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. And what and and, uh, uh, that that uh, the pack of lies that were put together by the Hillary campaign, which was it was used in order to get a special counsel, counsel Robert Mueller, to investigate whether Trump colluded with the Russians, and it was all made up. Everything Mueller report was never needed. Mueller investigation was never needed. It was all based on lies created and financed by the Hillary campaign, and everybody knows it. And back then, it was an allegation. You had allegations that Trump colluded with the Russians, but there was never any specific evidence. Right. You know, that you could sit there and say, okay, this this dossier exists. Where does it come from? Who said it? Who came up with this? Mm-hmm. You know, your oh, intelligence, what? In this case, as we know, all the evidence comes from Hunter's own laptop that the FBI has said is his. Yeah. Nobody is debating except the new lawyer. We'll, mm. we'll throw out all the the new lawyer for Hunter Biden is saying that, uh, oh, no, no, no. The forensics will show that everything was, you know, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. but that isn't the case. And the FBI, even the FBI, even though they didn't uh, come out publicly 
and state when the intelligence, all the 51 intelligence, uh, so-called intelligence experts came out and said, well, it looks like Russia disinformation, and the FBI knew it wasn't. The FBI didn't say anything back in October of 2020. Uh, But as we know, all the evidence that exists right now is not allegations searching for source stories or sourced allegations where you don't know who's saying it. Everything in this investigation of Hunter Biden comes from the laptop, comes from bank records, uh, bank records, uh, suspicious activity reports put together by banks when they believe that money is being illegally funneled. They put out uh, suspicious activity reports, sent it to the Treasury Department, and the whistleblowers, uh, many who are known already, whistleblower X, the IRS agent, will be known uh, this coming Wednesday. So we know where it's all coming from. Well, and the media is not... uh coming out and and attacking any of the sources of the information. Uh, Right now, everything, uh, aside from the new attorney for Hunter and uh, Clapper or Brennan, whoever it was, you know, still on the whole uh, Russian disinformation thing for the laptop, there is no massive effort to discount any of the sources. If you talk about those SARS reports from banks... How are you going to dismiss that? You can't. There's no way to do that. 866-90-RED-EYE. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay-per-mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics, get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Front Radio, he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. It's going to be an interesting uh, a week here. Uh, you've got Comer, you know, number one. We know that the whistleblowers are going to be talking. We know that more information has come out, as it did yesterday, the former FBI agent confirming uh, key uh, details. We talked about that email that came out from 
uh, Burisma, which mm. lines out, you know, what the bribe is for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Comer also said this week, he said last week that uh, come this week, there's also going to be more financial transactions that will inform the American public as to what has happened. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I got an email the other day, Eric, and it was uh, a, one of our great listeners saying, "You know, we got all this information. When is something going to happen?" That mm. probably I see. I probably see that more than anything. Yeah, we've you know? heard that on a number of fronts. Yeah, yeah. and you know, we all this information is out there, and when you lay it out, it's like, whoa. Because every day, you know, you you um, there's more information and hard evidence, not allegations, but hard evidence. And we said, if you know, it's like, well, when's something going to happen here? And I can't tell you when. I can just tell you, as we have stated before, that uh, the American public knows what the truth is. Yeah. yeah. The American public is on to it. They know all the polling shows it because if there was polling that showed the American public thought that there was nothing to the Republicans, every single media outlet, I'm sure, are trying to phrase polls that that show that the American public believes that there's nothing there and you haven't seen it. Yeah. So uh, what I'm more concerned with is does the truth get out there? What the American public decides to do with the truth is up to them. Yeah. Yeah. I can't change that. And we right. do live in a time where the American public, even if some in the American public, if they know what the truth is, they don't care. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, if the American public doesn't care about the truth, then that is also something that could be a catalyst for very much hurting this nation. Yeah, there's no guarantee that the United States of America will exist just because we have the United States of America. Substance and truth and integrity matter. Yep. And if the American public, because we have always stated, and I think you're seeing a lot of this now, that we would always get the we would always get one of the complaints was. The politicians aren't doing the will of the American public. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Sure they they are. are. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi did exactly what her constituents wanted her to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Democrats and and Biden not obeying the the Constitution uh, and still make it push back again, trying to do everything he can to not obey the separation of powers and spend money and uh, transfer debt from uh, people who took out loans to people who did not. It's absolutely immoral. And when you get down to it and and take that money and you transfer it to people that aren't even born yet, it's completely and totally immoral. 
what we have done in this nation is completely immoral. And for the majority of what has been done fiscally, the American public, the majority is behind the immorality. Yeah, there's not a calling for this to be reversed. You don't get to thirty-two trillion in debt by people screaming bloody murder against the debt. No, I'm trying to think of when the last protest was on the debt. I believe it was. I became a talk show host. Let me see, in October of '89. And so I believe it was spring of 90. Mm-hmm. And that's when the, the there was the whole clean sweep movement where mm-hmm. people, you know, uh, you know, people had their brooms in front of the congressional offices and were saying the debt's out of control. We need to stop it. Mm-hmm. And probably over the last six or seven years, Republicans are now, eh, you have now Republicans that Democrats are in power are screaming about it. But as we talked about when we first started working 18 years ago, what sent me into the stratosphere of rage was Tom DeLay, who still in Republican circles is viewed as a good conservative who actually had the gall to say, hey, Republicans need to shut up. I know we know Republicans have the House and the Senate. We've cut as much as possible. There's nothing to cut anymore. Well, that was an absolute lie yeah. from Tom DeLay back then. And he's he's viewed in, in, in you know, some areas of Texas as the ultimate conservative. Well, he's not. And mm-hmm. he wasn't mm-hmm. back then just for that stupid statement. And if the GOP sweeps next November, then you can you can bet that they'll because here's here's the problem, by the way, for either party. Number one, somebody's got to clean up the mess. Well, the rain- I don't know. I don't know how you. It, this is honestly. Part of me still believes that the Democrats are look at it and go, "Look, if we lose, it's not the worst thing in the world." The GOP has to take on this crap that Biden did. Yeah, and they're gonna. And when they try to do it, they'll suffer in the next election for mm-hmm. it. It's why Republicans said. It's why Republicans told, uh, uh, you know, basically the whole Rick Scott, you know, Rick Scott talking about. Okay, we've got it. We we've got to cut. And we've got to look at Social Security and Medicare. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans said, "No, no, no. We can't bring it up. We can't bring it up. We won't be able to win the House if we say we're going to be fiscally responsible and look at the fiscal situation that the United States is in." Which means the polling of Republicans shows them the internal polling that they cannot get the Republican or Independent support to win an election if they actually confront the insane borrowing of the United States government because the people who claim, and because you see all the polls, the polls show the people say, we're spending too much money, we need to cut back, the deficit's too bad, and then you attempt to cut back anything or revise anything, and the American people will vote you out of office like that. Well, and so this has been going on for the longest time. We talked about it years ago with school lunches. Yeah. And 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 you you kind of saw it on the left with the defund the police. Defund the police? Yes. What about your neighborhood? No, 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 no. The police in my neighborhood are fine. And do you want to cut? Yes, we need to be fiscally responsible. Okay, we're going to start cutting 
in your neighborhood. No, 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 no. The programs that affect you, when you want to talk in the abstract, oh, yeah, we're spending way too much money. Okay, we're going to cut some of the things that we're spending, and it's going to affect you. Why, 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 why would you do that? And we always, uh, we, what, you, what you get is when you uh, go deeper into the polls is that the American public believes and the majority of Republicans believe you can cut the debt out and balance the budget by getting rid of, rid of <laughs> let me not, I don't want to slur there. Mm. I have not been drinking just because it's our 18th anniversary mm. this week. You've been drinking for other reasons. Exactly. <laughs> Not for the 18th anniversary. Uh, but uh, w- when you uh, when you talk to both Democrats and Republicans, they both believe, the majorities, of both according to the polling I've seen, that you can balance the budget by getting rid of foreign aid and wasteful spending. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the case. You can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the math is. The math is not there. It doesn't matter. And this is a case where it doesn't matter whether the math is not there. Both believe the narrative. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. false narrative. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. But it makes us feel comfortable. Well, mm-hmm. if they just cut the wasteful spending and foreign aid, everything would be fine. Nope. No, it doesn't work that way. Nope. And it certainly doesn't work that way when we've had inflation hitting hard over and over and over again. Those are the problems that you see. When there is an expanding economy, then people, then you start talking about, okay, uh, let's do this. Let's balance the budget. Let's do that. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. But when there's a great impact, and it's an impact because of the spending, then it has that, that um, uh, especially damaging effect politically because, well, yes, we can't spend like this we got to quit spending like this but i'm getting hit and we saw it in the polls when families were getting and it was temporary but they were getting the expanded child tax credit and it was coming every month and then at the end of it they didn't renew it because there wasn't the political will to renew it there wasn't a huge huge you could argue based on the actions of the current administration anyway that there is more political will on college loans than there was for child tax credit, which is interesting. And so they were saying, the polls showed that they were putting two and two together. If we keep spending like this, inflation's going to just get so outrageous. And then inflation did get outrageous. And, of course, families were drowning, and they said, we need more spending. We need we need more spending. We need the government to be giving us more money. Mm-hmm. So it has ebb and flows on a consistent basis. Because when but, you're drowning, well, you look for anything. You look to for save. anything. You're looking for a life preserver. Right? Yeah. Right. And and those are the things that right now are in play. Is that you especially can't start talking about well, cutting programs right now because no. the inflation is just well, the prices are at their worst. Well, with and. The problem, as we've stated before, when you look at the Democrats, we are asking the people that created the problem to solve the problem, and that never happens. Exactly. That shows you, I'll I'll, I'll include all of us, (laughs) that shows us what idiots we are. Yeah. As a nation. You're asking an arsonist to fireproof your home. Exactly. That's what we're doing. 
We're asking the people that created the problem. We're trusting them to solve the problem that they created. Mm -hmm. And the only thing making them not make the problem worse is a Republican House who has been able to scut, uh, uh, to rein in spending a tiny, tiny, tiny bit mm-hmm. so the Democrats don't go crazy. Mm-hmm. But things are so bad that if Republicans get into power and need to cut, the public will vote them out because, well, we need to cut later. We can't cut now. Right. And that's what we've been saying for the last 40 years in this country. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's exactly where we are as a nation. And I don't have confidence it turns around in my lifetime. I don't have confidence that it turns around. The only thing that is going to stop the spending is when we're we are out of other people's money and the debt, the interest on the debt is too great to service. Well, what you're going to see, you're going to see that what we'll see the examples of it in states like California, New York, yeah. and Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can't borrow money the way the federal government does. Right. And if you want to see a microcosm of where the United States is going, watch those three states over the next 15 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Aside from their cultural uh uh, uh issues that they that they have with with the the culture of defunding the police and the culture of uh, bail reform to the point of violent criminals being put right back on the streets. I mean, you pair that with their debt as a state because so many businesses and people have moved out and their spending has gotten so out of hand. It is disaster. You saw what the police union chief said in Mm. L.A. Mm -hmm. He told the police officers, quit. Yeah. Quit and go someplace where you're appreciated. Get out. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean it's and, and that that's an agency, by the way, that is has been highly diplomatic in the past. If you talk about LAPD. Mm-hmm. they they have been, you know, very it's more of a positive approach. And that's that's reality. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome, and uh, good morning. Thanks for uh, being here. Coming up following uh, the top of the hour, this is just a great article. Uh, Madeline Kearns, a National Review, Five Ways to Fight Trans Activists in Everyday Conversation. And it's 
as we've talked about, the way to fight the culture wars. Don't say culture wars. Right. Don't use the term woke. Get straight to the point. Mm -hmm. I don't need to talk about culture wars. Well, well, I disagree with where they're going on the culture wars. No, all I got to do is I say these perverts want to teach sexualized content to five-year-olds. Yeah. End of story. I don't care what you call it. I call it perverted. They can call it whatever they want. Well, because don't use their narrative. That, there's the problem is that we get into the names. We get into it's almost branding the argument. I don't need to put a brand on the argument. The issues are very clear. And you need to spell it out for people just in case anybody is missing it. And when you can't get to the core of why it's wrong and you're just using words because they have a brand on the argument, you're not getting through. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> Sorry. You can understand why I'm laughing here, because I just found this. Uh, Real Clear Politics, uh, the uh, the and I don't know who this guy is. Obviously, he's, he's a, a liberal. And it's uh, apparently the No Labels Party has come up with their platform. And he's got no... Well, that didn't take long. (laughs) (laughs) No labels, no ideas. (laughs) And now remember, this. understand this guy, what's his name? I like his name. Dennis Aftergut. All right. All right. He goes... 63 pages of political pablum. The platform is meant to soothe us to sleep, which is exactly the state no labels hopes voters will be in when they pick its candidate. And he, throughout the whole thing, he says, you know, the the fear is, and he's a liberal, and the fear of all Democrats is that, uh, you know, no labels or we'll get to uh, Serpent. You saw yesterday uh, Carville said that... uh, Cornell West himself mm-hmm. in the Green Party will, you know, give the election to to uh, to Trump. And Cornell West is just blasting. I mean, it's just blasting Biden as the most racist. Now, I disagree with some of the reasons that he brings up for labeling Biden a racist. But Biden is. We saw oh, what yeah. he did. And, and the reason we say he is, is the, is the things that he has said before and what he specifically did of the Georgia election law. Mm-hmm. Where he played, uh, basically, uh, he played the same game that any white supremacist leader would do, and that's lie about a law in order to get one race to hate another race by yeah. calling that law Jim Crow on steroids, 
He lied about what the actual law is. And now you don't hear Democrats. In fact, when it came to the convention, they were a lot of Democrats wanted to consider Georgia. Mm -hmm. But they decided on the place where liberalism is succeeding like no other, Chicago. Uh, But he's just, he's going crazy over the fact that they call it the whole thing common sense. He goes, so let's look. at the mindlessness of the no-labels platform. On voting rights, here's the no-labels platform. Now, remember, this guy's analyzing it from the left, but it's hilarious. On voting rights, the no-labels platform literally says every legal voter should have the right and the ability to vote, every legal vote should be counted, and every vote counted should be verified. How the hell can anybody disagree with that? The devil is not in the no-labels details, but in its platform's total lack of them when it comes, for example, to the words, every legal vote. Now listen to this here. Uh, In the age of the big lie, legality is in the eye of the beholder, and MAGA Republican legislatures never met a minority voter they didn't seek to suppress. So remember, he's coming from the left. But still he's saying, but there's nothing there. Their platform on national security... You ready? All right. A world led by America is safer than a world led by Russia and China. <laughs> then he writes, I'm for that. How about you? <laughs> How about you? <laughs> on civil on civil rights, the document says every American deserves respect and freedom from discrimination. He writes, Now are you on board? As for transgendered individuals, No Labels refuses to take a stand, simply offering the hope for leaders who, uh, who quote, who consider this controversial issue from a position of dignity, respect, and common sense. This is one of the many times in the document that the noun common sense or adjective common sense are used to dodge specifics on difficult subjects. Regarding dignity and respect, those words perfectly characterize one of our current party's approach. Uh. The party led by the president, who this month expressed pride in Delaware, his home state, for having the first transgender state legislature uh, legislator in American history. So understand this guy's coming from the left. Yeah, yeah. But still he's saying, but they're saying nothing. The No Labels Party says nothing. They don't stand for anything. Except blah, 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 blah. That's blah, exactly it. Which is true. <laughs> On poverty and schooling, No Labels advocates that no child in America should go to bed or go to school hungry, and every child in America should have the right to a high-quality education. Uh, but wait, here, No Labels offers a proposal. The next president in Congress should significantly expand funding or tax incentives to ensure young children receive the proper nutrition they need to grow and thrive. Problem one, Congress, led by No Labels former honorary co-chair Joe Manchin, whom No Labels is now reportedly courting to become its third-party candidate, (laughs) joined Republicans in killing President Biden's Build Back Better legislation which would have provided a monthly child tax credit of $300 per child. 
The funding disappeared in a revised version that Manchin supported. So the candidate right now that is the lead for no labels is against the first part of the platform that they actually define. (laughs) I'm just loving this here. (laughs) Problem number two. On the issue of America's deficit, no labels platform characteristically goes on on a limb, says Washington must stop spending more than it takes in. But every spending proposal throughout the document, like the ones on hunger and crime and the military, advocates increasing spending. (laughs) Well, I mean, how is it not going to increase spending? How is their agenda not going to increase spending? Because you would start there. If you were forming a new party and you were genuinely concerned about the spending, wouldn't that be number one? Uh, what what does no labels offer as a solution to the deficit problem hold on to your hat a blue ribbon commission on whose recommendations congress must vote yay or nay (laughs) okay you don't need to be an expert on washington to know as the old associated press headline puts it blue ribbon commissions are often where touchy issues go to die and anyone who thinks that Congress would commit to voting on a commission's unadulterated proposals doesn't understand how Congress works, or more likely hopes you don't understand. You don't like the blue ribbon? <laughs> it's it's ludicrous. It's like they're trying to be everything to everyone. That's exactly what they're trying, what they think they can do as a party. And there's no way you can do that. Sorry, you can't. Just isn't the case. And it's never been the case, by the way. We're going to be the everything party. Nope. An immigration label proclaims we must immediately regain control of our borders but must also double down on attracting hard workers from around the world to contribute to our world-class economy. And while we're at it, should create a path to citizenship for dreamers. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, uh, everything. Finally, we have something for everyone formula on the economy. No labels super helpfully suggest getting our 1.9% growth over the past two decades Closer to what it was after World War II, 3.5%. That would create trillions in additional tax revenue and make every budget problem we have easier to solve. They might have well offered Americans a chicken in every pot and an electric car in every garage, since everyone would love to get there, but no labels doesn't tell us how. Hmm. I'm fixing Social Security. <laughs> oh, i got to hear this. Quote, this is a quote from America just needs a president and a Congress with the courage to say that Social Security's impending insolvency is a challenge that we can and must solve together. Oh, that tells me everything. (laughs) Somehow that incantation hasn't worked when it's been tried time and time again by presidents and congressional leaders over the last quarter century. Actually, 
it hasn't been. The only group that has tried to do something for Social Security has been Republicans. And the last serious Republican president to try to do it was Bush, and he was laughed. He was laughed off the... Like yeah, Democrats right. said, we're not going to help you do anything to do to change this at all. Right. On abortion, no labels let citizens read into its view whatever they like. The platform praises virtue on both sides, ending up by telling us absolutely nothing about what no labels <laughs> would do. Abortion is too important and complicated an issue to say it's uh, uh, to say it's common sense to pass a law nationally or in the states that draws a clear line at a certain stage of pregnancy. <laughs> it was like we don't know <laughs> the everything and nothing party. Oh my gosh, I just love it, and and understand that comes from somebody as far left as you can get. Mm. It seems what I can get. Yeah, you know. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's everything and nothing. We want to be everything to everyone, and and also provide nothing as to how we're going to get there. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> no labels, and we had said this in the very beginning, because remember the whole thing with no labels was the fact that well, we want to draw people in, and 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 we understand that when you take a side on issues, that's where it becomes divisive. <laughs> well, here's well, the thing, yeah. You think they did get it right on the on the name? No labels, because <laughs> nobody knows what the hell they are or what they stand for. There's not a you, you, there's not a way to put a label on them because you don't know what they are. Well, it well what to me what it is is basically the no labels is like a meme for populism. We need to have politicians do what the American people want. They haven't been responding to the concerns of the American people. And if we have a party that responds to the concerns of the American people, then everything would be all right. So we stand by a party that will respond to what the American people want. Which is? What they want. <laughs> what they want. You know. <laughs> wow. You know something? How is Beto not part of this party? Oh, no, how is Kamala part of this party? No, she it, get it, up and give her. Yeah, it, it sounds all and everybody claps. What did she say? I have no idea. You understand her? No, 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 no. no. Well, that's how the is, kind of party we want? How is Beto, Kamala, and Comey not part of this? <laughs> Joe Comey. What do we want law enforcement like? We're staring <laughs> off into the woods. Like, dude, you're not <laughs> contemplating. We you're need, lost. We, we need a, we need law enforcement on the federal level that has a higher loyalty. To uh, what? To, to what? <laughs> you're standing in a dead cornfield. What are you doing? You're staring at dirt. Remember that. What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, God. Beto. I will leave it up to the people to decide what my positions are. Sorry, I remember that one. <laughs> we will do the, I will do the will of the, the people, people, which is what? The will of the people. people. And, and, and what's your position on that? What is your opinion? My opinion is the will of the people. Bye, Beto. We'll listen to what the people have to say, and then we'll examine it. We'll tear it apart. We'll take a look at it from every side, and then we'll take all the common sense 
uh, uh, proposals that are made there and will put it through a blue ribbon uh, committee. And the blue ribbon committee will shave out of that everything that is waste, everything that is wrong. And they will, in essence, present to the American people something that is totally palatable to the American people and at the same time fiscally responsible yet takes care of every American. Mm-hmm. You're smoking weed. <laughs> That's what you're doing. You've built this political <laughs> utopia where nothing means nothing and everything means everything. <laughs> it's like, can we bull, can we bull crap the American mm-hmm. public in a better way? Can we just, can we extend the rhetoric out, not to just sentences or memes, but to multi-paragraphs and really BS the American people. It doesn't even by saying nothing. As, doesn't even qualify as rhetoric. It's just words. <laughs> I mean, it's it's about as boring and meaningless and, and, as it gets. And that's why Democrats are scared. Yes, it's because they're like, well, wow, this this is like you've taken hope and change and put it into an essay. Yes, it doesn't mean anything. Right. There's nothing there. Do you care to, I, I, I can only imagine, do you care to support the party? Sure, I'll give a donation. What is your donation? How much are your donation? It will be the will of the people. <laughs> well, how much is that? The will of the people? Just oh, I mean, it's just garbage. It really is. Seriously, H- they're smoking way too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> just call it the weed or party. not enough. <laughs> it's one or the other. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Wow. <laughs> that was just great. I'm so glad I found that article. I didn't even know that it existed, but it's just, it shows you where we are in, in, in politics. It's like, politics is too divisive, so we need to take a stand on nothing. Well, And that's what the American the, public wants. Those are the problems that... <laughs> that the fundamental problems of this uh, everything and nothing party, the no labels party, is that the left was inevitably going to come after you and tear you, shred you to part to, mm-hmm. to pieces. It, the right was going to do that, too. But the right doesn't take you seriously to begin with. Well, no, and the right doesn't feel they're going to lose. Right. They're exactly. Gonna, they're gonna yeah, lose that's why the left is. Yeah. They, right. They see the, you as a, the, the, right. the left realizes, look, you know, we have very strong opinions that we have to on the issues that we have to lie about to right. the public. Exactly. And and so it's not working. Uh there is there are people out there that don't like the anger. I think that if you understand the issues and you you're not being lied to and you're intellectually honest, I don't think you care if there's an opposition to what you believe. Right. Because right. you've thought it out. Mm-hmm. When you haven't thought out what you believe and the angst is so great and somebody is offering you 
you know, the the same thing that, look, we all care and we're going to take care of everybody. Uh-huh. Everybody will take be taken care of. All Americans will take be taken care of. Free education for all the kids, for 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 anybody who wants it. Food for everybody. We will take care of everybody and cut spending at the same time. That's the kind of horse manure that Democrats will fall for. Yeah. Yeah. It they, is. Don't, they don't believe that's why the Democrats are scared. They know Republicans aren't going to fall for that. Conservatives aren't going to fall for that. And a heck of a lot of independents aren't going to fall for that. And so what they're concerned what they're concerned about is, you know, they're going to lose loyal Democrats or Democrats that are looking for another party, but just won't go Republican. And here's this other party saying, hey, we're going to do the same thing as the Democrats. We're going to take care of everything, but we're going to cut the budget and we're going to do this. How does it matter to them? It's just the fact that you're saying it. It's hope and change times a thousand. Right. Doesn't mean anything, but it sounds good. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. <laughs> and he's Sarah Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, good morning and, and welcome. Just dying. i just reading from the Babylon Bee here, some of their, just their headlines. You don't even need to go into their stories. Hmm. The headlines say yeah. them all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the stories can be funny, but you just stop at the headlines. It's like they're great. Here's one. Biden blames White House cocaine on black guy who lived there before. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. Biden's granddaughter relieved to have been disowned after seeing Biden eat baby. <laughs> Everybody's, I'm sure, has seen that video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it looks like he's. Taking small bites yeah, out with, of the baby. Yeah. It's just, yeah. just bizarre. By the way, don't, you know, can we do away with the whole baby kissing thing politically? I think post COVID, especially, but really post Biden. <laughs> just how about you not <laughs> let politicians that close <laughs> to your baby? Experts advise responding to heat wave by staying indoors and paying more taxes to the government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's just Biden holding this huge check. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden. And it's from from Burisma. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, Biden says, giant oversized check from Burisma he's holding is right-wing misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my god. Well, what's funny is, oh. is that that is... You know, part of what we, it's in a very humorous and, and brilliant way, as they always do it, at Babylon B, spelling out what we were talking about earlier. And that is, you know, you can't discount this as some kind of right-wing conspiracy. You can't look at the no. SARS reports from the banks. No. And, and say that. You can't look at the data from Hunter's laptop and discount it. It's like you said the other day. The only way they can, honestly, 
and, and they're not doing it honestly. I'm just saying honestly here. It is the only thing they've got is to deny that that is Hunter's laptop again. They're going back to the beginning. Yeah, the lawyer and, is. And yeah. you can't you can't do that. It, it, they'll be laughed out of court. If, if they try and do this as a real defense strategy, a judge is going to look at them and say, it, because here's the thing, it would be, well, the prosecution, Your Honor, needs to prove that that's our client's laptop. Are you kidding me? Seriously. You're really going to go with that. But that's easy. Because all you do is go to the recipients of those emails that have copies of them themselves that yeah, they saved. Right. Well, no, I mean, all of the data from that laptop is going right. to show him logging on. Yeah. You can't win that one. Well, I mean, what I've seen, because you're, as as this things get, get hotter, and I, we never completed this thought, <laughs> so much we've been talking about. Never, I never, I know I didn't complete my thought on this, but mm-hmm. when when you look at, because it was in response and we got, we got uh, distracted. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's just so many things out there. But we were, I was saying that uh, I, I got to, you know, an email saying, where's it all going to end? It's like, I don't know. All we can deal with is, you know, the truth and the truth's getting out there every day. But when you look at the attacks now, because that's what you're wondering Things have been quiet for so long as the Republicans keep piling up mm. evidence that comes from Hunter's own laptop. Yeah. Financial records that come from the actual banks. And what started the search for those financial records were the banks themselves on their own without any political help whatsoever issuing as they have to by law. Suspicious activity reports where something looks like money laundering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what they saw with the Biden family. And as uh, Comer uh, said yesterday, by at least six different banks and 20 different LLCs set up by the Biden family. Comer was talking about that yesterday. There is no rational explanation. No, there isn't. And so the only thing that you have seen, you saw yesterday, Jamie Raskin coming out, you know, when being interviewed by by Jen Psaki. By the way, uh, for anybody who uh, is upset because years ago the Olympic Committee took out women's softball, the next closest thing is Jen Psaki's interviews. If you're missing uh, Major League Softball action, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you may want to catch- find it. You may want to catch Jen Psaki because mm-hmm. she's into me. <laughs> what was it's it? It's not even fast pitch. What was it that she did the other? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Implying that uh, that Comer may be a stooge for the for foreign governments. Mm-hmm. You see that one? Yeah. That he may be, and it's just like, and, and so you've got Jamie, you know, Jamie Raskin coming out and and saying, well, the one witness, uh, you know, is uh, under investigation, and so that. Kills the credibility. It's like, no, it doesn't. No. Because the vast majority of the evidence that not except for that one except for that one witness that you still have to, you know, you still 
you can still take what he says, and can that be verified elsewhere? Even like the whistleblower, two IRS whistleblowers yesterday, the Republicans got an F- former FBI agent who was in charge of the investigation that said, nope, the IRS agents are right. So you're getting more and more people uh, cooperating, you know, information. You don't need on the on the actual bank records. They speak for themselves and Hunter Biden's laptop and the whistleblower's testimony and who hasn't come forward yet, who we have not heard publicly yet from, are the business associates of Hunter Biden at this point. Yeah. Right. But you get everything that is coming out. There's no way. And that's why I think in the last week you've seen Democrats, there's been more talk about Biden not running. Yeah. There's yeah. been more talk about that than I've seen in a long time. Biden not running, Biden not running. He can't run, he can't run. You know, you have, um, um, you know, the, they, they're talking about, you know, the whole third party but that's also because a third party, Cornell West, could be devastating. We'll get to that story here in a little bit because it was James Carville talking about it. Mm. Even if he just pulled 1% or 2%, something like that, they're looking at Biden going, Democrats will go for somebody else because now that's a long time from now because that would be, <laughs> what, so we're, we're still talking about, uh, what, a year and four months yeah. before the uh, election? Wow. I don't, you know, you, you don't know if you get there because how do you explain, how does any Republican, excuse me, how does any Democrat explain, and this is what we know so far, the 20 LLCs, the basically fake companies that the Biden family set up. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that? Right. How do you explain all the suspicious activity reports that have come out? How do you, resp- how do you respond if you're a Democrat? to the email that we read just yet on yesterday's show that basically the executive in Burisma lays out the bribe. Yep. Lays it absolutely yep. out. Here's what we want. We want a high ranking. We want the highest ranking officials we can get of the United States to convince the Ukrainian government, the president, the prosecutor general to stop the investigations of our president, the, the president of the company, that is right. A Burisma. And Biden writes back, you know, and it's like, if we're going to sign, and what they're talking about is a contract negotiation for money. Yeah. No, you can sign it. And Biden said, yeah, you can sign it. We'll get it done. I mean, you can't get more. And that, I don't know why, I don't know that, that email that had come out, there was an email that came out last week that was very similar to that, but it didn't have the specifics of actually going into that, that detail of what they want, that should be the number one story in the country. It would have been if it was Trump. Because oh, yeah. you and I looked yeah. at that and read it over and over again and said, what are we missing here? This is laying out the bribe in more specific details than we've ever seen. Yeah. That is laying yeah, out far. a bribe. That's the quid yeah. pro quo. And And they're talking about this is the contract, and you're not being specific enough of what you will actually do Here's what we want. And a month later, Biden goes over, yep. you know, to, to Ukraine. Yeah. And you cannot get more clear. How does any Democrat explain that? You can't. No. And that's no. why there's the fear right now in the Democratic Party. Well, and and this is why 
I think a lot of Democrats want to throw the uh, baby out with their uh, father, who is the president. And (laughs) this is the I, I think right now they look at it and say, how is Biden serving the party? He's not. What is he getting done for the party from this point on? What is there even promise of him doing in the second term if he were to win? Nothing. And he won't. His health will not allow him to finish a second term. I'm convinced of that. And millions of Americans believe the same, including a great number of Democrats. And and the thing is, the, the, the look, the Republicans, if you ask me what they want, I don't believe that they trust the Justice Department, that the Justice Department would actually go after Biden between now and the election. Right. I don't think that's yeah. what the, yeah. they're looking at. Yeah. What they're looking at, again, is telling the story to the American people so the polls continue the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And the polls show that the American public believes, and this is from a couple of weeks ago before even all this information uh, came out, that the Biden family, including Joe Biden, is corrupt. And the majority believe that. And what is it? 37% now of Democrats believe that. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. In fact, I would think that probably the Republicans want Joe Biden to stay in office as long as possible. Yeah. Because because this, if yeah. let's say Joe Biden says, I resign today or I'm not going to run today. Right. Or, or I'm not going to run or if I resign today, the story goes away. Because he's yeah. no he's no longer there. It loses its importance. As long as Joe Biden is there and says, I'm running, it gains credibility every day. And it gains credibility in a few ways. The story's gaining credibility because the evidence is so strong. Mm-hmm. But it also, for the Republicans, it indicts the Bidens. But it also indicts the media and the Democratic Party, who has enabled the corruption that has lied about the corruption, that hasn't reported on the corruption, because corruption is okay with the Democrats and the media. And that's as as long as as long as you even though the evidence is clear, the American public believes it until you have it absolutely slam dunk the Democrats that know. And this is when you get all the information where he would have to resign, that the you you would promote the Democrats knew he was corrupt. The media knew he was corrupt. They knew he took bribes. They knew everything about the Democrats and Hillary going after Trump was corrupt. That's what you want. That's the strongest political message you could put out. But you don't have that message if Joe Biden resigns right now. No, you don't have. It. No, you don't. No. Nope. And so you want to stretch it out. So what is the outcome of this? I don't think the outcome that they believe that Joe Biden's going to end up in jail. No. I don't think that's what the Republicans are looking for. What they're looking for is political victory in 2024. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's because that's the only thing that you have. That's the only thing that you have under your control is to put out the information day, day after day, week after week, month after month. Look, if he goes to prison, that's one thing. I believe he's compromised. Yes. And that's and that's what you promote as a Republican. You say the Democrats knew he was compromised. The media knew he was compromised. Everybody knew this story was true. They tried to hide it from you. There's a they reason tried he to didn't censor it from run you. in 2016. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. 
There's a reason that his former boss was one of the last major endorsements from the party. But it's the best way for the Republicans to put out that message that everything is corrupt. The Democratic Party's corrupt. The Bidens are corrupt. The media is corrupt. And they're okay with the corruption until they get caught. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, uh, Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, you saw Glenn Kessler said that that email needs to be put into perspective. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Because you know, part of what he's saying is that, well, you know, there were many other people in Ukraine and many in the State Department. Uh-huh. And and uh, what yeah. what Biden said wasn't right. the be-all, end-all. Uh-huh. That doesn't matter. Uh-huh. No. None of that matters. No, no, what no, matters no. is... Did did he get money for doing it? Was right. the money given to encourage it? Doesn't matter whether Biden was the only one. Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world... We are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight, it's interesting because uh, Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post uh, talked about the uh, that email chain uh, here. It says, here we go again. An explosive uh, Biden laptop email needs context. And I'm always looking for the the defense of Biden here. I'm always looking for what the possible defenses are. Yeah. Because he uh, is, Kessler's giving a defense that you don't hear from Democrats. By the way, he's the the fact checker, by the way, for the Washington Post, for those that don't know. Yes. And and so, man, there's some facts that he misses here. (laughs) Quite often. And also the same guy that recently gave Biden, um, what was it, forever Pinocchios? What was it? Uh, Bottomless. Bottomless Pinocchios. Pinocchios. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he's, for example, at uh, uh, where's the conclusion here? I mean, let me get, I want to get to the conclusion here as um, he says, uh, moreover, it's important to remember that Biden, even though he was the Obama administration's point person on Ukraine, did not have a free hand to implement policy as he wished. That's now how it works in Washington. Still, it is probably ill advised for Biden's son to take a well-paying job with a company that intersected with Biden's policy brief. The point he's trying to make, Glenn Kessler, is this was the this uh, was what the State Department wanted. This was the official policy of the U.S. government, and this U.S. policy, you know, of the government was 
to shake up this $1 billion in loan guarantees was for yeah. a variety of different things. And you had some in the Ukraine that said that Shokin, the prosecutor, was corrupt. Now, understand, yeah. in Ukraine at that time and even now, you could say that everything is corrupt or a significant portion of the government is corrupt. So you can make that point. The point is not whether it was the official policy of the United States. It's whether the Bidens took money in order to push the vice president to push harder. If the vice president, through his son, is taking money because that's where the five million comes in. What was the five million each for? Right. What was that money for? Glenn Kessler ignores the uh what is it, FD twenty three ten twenty three? He ignores that. That's not part of it. He doesn't put that in there. Just that Hunter Biden was paid. Well then what was the other money for? Right. You know, what was the contract obviously with Hunter Biden was to get high-ranking officials to be positive about uh, uh, to be positive and try to get any cases dropped against the president of Burisma. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the prosecutor general at that time, Shokin was corrupt. Right. It doesn't matter if he was corrupt in other ways that they wanted him out. It doesn't matter whether some think he wasn't going, actually going after the president of Burisma. That doesn't matter. None of that matter. The only thing that matters was, did the Bidens get money because they believed that the president pushing even harder in meetings to get what he wanted it could still be U.S. policy, but the Bidens took official U.S. policy that it might even make it worse. Took official U.S. policy and said, "Okay, we'll take bribes to push it." Because remember, then they wanted their money. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, we, it's, we, it's, we know from the up to twenty three, they wanted they wanted their money, and that was part of the investigation. So you can't just look at. What what Kessler is doing, he's just looking at parts of it and saying, well, there's still holes here and holes here and holes here and holes here. Well, yeah, but what you're forgetting about is those holes, because everything isn't filled in yet, what were the 20 LLCs for? Why does the F, uh, F, uh, FD1023 uh, uh, exist? Why does the FBI believe they haven't been able to discount the fact that that money, $10 million, is what the allegation is, went to Biden and his son. Yeah. No. Uh, you you can't discount all of that, and he's not mentioning that in his analysis. And so I would give uh, uh, Kessler here uh, at least two Pinocchios. Yeah, I was going to say at least two and a half. What's his highest Pinocchio, four? Four, yes. No, right. no, bottomless. I know, for for Biden, but when he gives... No, the, he, he the, gave, the, no he gave some bottom... He gives some bottomless to Trump, too. No, no, no. I mean, when he gives out Pinocchios, what's the highest number of Pinocchios typically? Bottomless. Then four, then three. 
Right. Uh, I know. I know. Yeah. What? But between one and four. Bottomless one and four, is the yes. exception. Yes. Yeah. So typically it's four. I was going to say two and a half or three. Because you're you're excluding a crucial part of the allegations of the bribe. When somebody is receiving the money, that's the whole point. It doesn't matter who who you have to assume everybody on the other side of the equation is corrupt. Yeah. That has no bearing on this whatsoever. None. The question is, did Biden receive money? for doing something. And it appears that he did. And as he goes to the bottom line, the available evidence shows U.S. policy executed but not developed by Joe Biden operated independently of his son's effort. They're trying to, as we remember, so we said the other day, are they going to try to put it only on Hunter Biden, that Hunter was trying to use his father's name, but his father wasn't involved at all, uh, operate independently of his son's efforts to engage a PR firm to uh, burnish uh, the uh, 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 the president's image, Biden's efforts to oust the prosecutor only plausibly benefited uh, the president of Burisma if Shokin had moved aggressively against against him. But documents and interviews instead showed he failed to act. It doesn't matter. That doesn't ma- none of that matters. No, the only thing that matters is was you were you paid to do it because you, because he failed to act doesn't mean he might not have acted. Was there you a don't quid know that. pro quo was there, for right. any actions or set of actions? Right. Along the way. And and, and did was there an ask? And did they receive that? And and was there a payment? And was did, there a payment? did they receive that? Right. It's that simple. And and Kessler's only looking at the money, the eighty three thousand that he was making to be on the board, but what was paid for the contract? We don't know what was paid for that contract. And where that money is, Kessler doesn't right. mention that here. Right. And then the five million each that we know from the ten twenty three, what is that related to? Because we know what they wanted from him. So again, Kessler. That's why we give Kessler two and a half Pinocchios because he doesn't cover the totality of what the Republicans claim that they have. Well, that's it. Um, no, actually, what they what the Republicans claim they have, and we know the FBI has, and the FBI has either stopped the investigation three years ago, or have been investigating that ten twenty three for over three years, mm-hmm. and still haven't come to a conclusion that it's bogus. Right. So that's where Kessler fails. By, I'm not coming to any conclusion, and neither are you. Kessler's no, we're coming, saying, we're saying right. what, what the evidence shows right now and what the allegations are according to the evidence, the information that we have right now. He's not including everything here. No. He's not including no. the critical parts of it. Right. And, so, and he's coming to the bottom line is the available evidence shows U.S. policy executed but not developed by Joe Biden operated independently of his son's efforts. What about the FD 1023? You don't address this. He wrote this, what, yesterday? And by the way, how could you know? How could you know that? Yeah, yesterday at 2 a.m. How could you know that? Know what? Operated independently regardless yeah, of his son of his son's efforts. How said, you, you don't know that at all. Right. Well, he's saying from his available evidence, uh-huh. but he's not using 
all the available evidence that's, that's out there. That's the point. Right. Is that you can't come to that conclusion. Right. We don't come to a conclusion. No. We've said from the beginning, the GOP, if they're making allegations, better have the proof. What we don't see, though, are the tells of a situation like this that in the past have been the liberal media, like the Washington Post, going after it and shredding it. We haven't seen that. And that that article doesn't shred it at all. No, it doesn't even come it, close. It's, it doesn't even include all of the evidence that exists right now that's out there, and it doesn't explain the fact that why did the 20 LLCs exist? Why did money flow through? Why are these suspicious activity reports uh, there? They're trying to take one and just look at this specific and say, well, there's nothing here from looking at it from this point. Well, that's not all the evidence that Republicans claim they have. Right. So you're not being intellectually honest because not Republicans say they've got more. Right. And they've got the 1023 and we'll see what they come out ne- up with, uh, uh, you know, up with this week. Yeah. Yeah, you're not including the entire equation here. Yeah. You know, you're cherry picking something. And he's not asking questions like, you know, so we don't see the tie in yet. But, yeah, there are good questions. If the FD, if the FD 1023 is true, then, yeah, Biden has. He's he's he's, coming to a bottom line and not I would never come to a bottom line yet because I don't have all the evidence. I'd simply say, well, this exists here and you may not have the tie in, but the tie in would be the money that would be paid if the FD. D 1023 is true and they have the suspicious activity reports and they follow the money trail, then you have to ask the question, what were those bribes paid for? If not for this, for what else? And Kessler isn't doing that. Well, and he's, he's not, you know, he seems to be closing the door here. And it's a lot like the sweetheart deal that, that Hunter Biden was given. They're trying to bury it in the ground, close the jar and bury it in the ground. And this whole thing isn't close to being over. And that's what Kessler's trying to do here is come to a conclusion and say, there's nothing to see here. Yeah, there is. Not very good for a fact check. No. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Hunter Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. It's easy. You can take any type of uh, case, and you can go in if you don't bring in all the possible evidence and say, okay, there's nothing There's nothing there. But when you look at all of this, the so one thing you can't get over, and that's why we started on this entire conversation, the problem with the two whistleblowers coming forward is not only, and this is the other thing that Kessler forgets, it's not just the email. Yeah. It's the right. 20 LLCs. It's the 151 different suspicious activity reports from six banks that are concerned about that. It's all the whistleblowers coming forward, and it's the people that worked directly with Hunter Biden that are willing to testify publicly. That's the problem. That's the totality of the possible evidence. And so if you're going to look at it and say, well, with the evidence that we have, yeah, but you've also got to say you don't come to a conclusion. You know, there is no bot. The bottom line is we still don't know, but it looks bad because you can't explain the 20 LLCs. You can't explain the 150 different SARS reports that were put out there from six banks who looked at this and said, this looks like money laundering. Well, here's you know, the thing. It, 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 it's there. Go- and, and I anticipated that some would try and go down this road. I didn't know if it's going to be Glenn Kessler or or who, but that the ultimate defense, if you could if you could get to the point of clearly demonstrating a quid pro quo and we're getting much closer to that point, mm-hmm. if you get to that point, I, I anticipate the left going, well, just because he he received money and he also did what they asked doesn't mean that he wouldn't have done it without getting the money. <laughs> no, no, that no, that's exactly how the left thinks. <laughs> so a bribe is okay if you were going to do it if you didn't he get the bribe. He would have done it anyway. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, well, we know they're at the point now of saying this was all Hunter. No, that, that's that, that's what that, they they want. Right. They want to carve it out and say no, 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 no. That was all Hunter, and yeah, they may have overpaid him, and he's not he's not worth the whatever ten million, um, however much he also and the other bribe received or whatever it is. He's not worth that. We get it, but they still paid him. A lot of people aren't worth what they pay them or whatever, and close it out trying to exclude Joe from the equation. You can't do that when you talk about not just Joe, but other family members, all the SARS reports Mm -hmm. and everything else that are included here. As we said from the beginning, follow the money. The money will tell the story. And and again, the the highly credible source, Mm -hmm. the FBI source Mm -hmm. that says that the president said they are basically demanding money from me yeah right you know that this is basically in essence i i took that as blackmail from what you get there right they call you know it's a bribe president of the doc the president burisma right right, that that this was a bribe and they were saying we want our you know we want our money Mm -hmm. that and and remember the source said you know well you may have to you know you pay it or whatever if they get but, to a point of being able to demonstrate that, if they can clearly demonstrate that and and there's, you know, evidence to back that up, you know, look at that. And then you couple that with the 
the message that was sent, the WhatsApp message that was sent in July of 2017 by Hunter Biden. Hey, we want our basically, hey, we want our money. We did our part. You need to pay us. That sounds like a pattern of behavior to me. Right. If you can right. demonstrate right. that. The, Chi- yeah, with exactly. evidence. the Chinese, you got right. the Chinese and you mm-hmm. got this. And and you get it there if you can get the tapes that the source says the president of Burisma has. Exactly. And what do you do in the United States in order to get that? You know, what what do you say? You know, you will give you immunity from prosecution, but the fact is the Congress can't do that. That'd have to be the Department of Justice, and they seem to have no interest in finding out what really happened here. Exactly. That's the problem that, that you have there. That's a massive problem because the attorney general is clearly uh, stepping out in front of this repeatedly for this president. But that can't last forever. America Studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You started, you went, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> it's true what he said. You are. I like this here. Couple of, let's get to some stories here, other mm-hmm. stories. Massachusetts officials are now asking residents to take in border crossers and illegal immigrants into their home. As it continues adding to the state's homeless population. Governor Maura Healey is calling on residents with empty bedrooms in their homes and apartments to consider taking in migrants and illegal immigrants. Uh Uh-huh. We'll see how that works out. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. This is really interesting. Mm. Uh, This, I think Canadian economists did this. Mass migration is spiking inflation in Canada because migrants increase rents and housing prices, say Canadian economists. Now, those Canadian economists may be banned from the country. Yeah. The Canadian uh, admission contradicts repeated claims by U.S. lobby groups that migration cuts inflation by lowering wages. By the way, that probably is not an argument I would attempt to convince average Americans is a good argument. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's either <laughs> that argument would hurt, but the other argument, the 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 truthful argument hurts. Mm. Of course, if you, uh, when you have, uh, I, whether they're legal or illegal. Yeah. If you drastically increase the labor force, wages will go down. Yes. That's simple supply yep. and demand. Yep. Now, if you drastically increase the number of people, illegal or legal, whatever the status, doesn't matter. 
the legal or legal status does not matter in the economics of it. If it's increased because of supply and demand, rents will go up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this isn't really something that should be controversial. It's basic su- supply and demand. Yeah, it is. The admission is important uh, for U.S. politics because it shows Americans how President Biden's easy migration policy is fueling the unpopular inflation that is impoverishing many millions of Americans. Wages are not keeping up. Well, either way, it's a either argument's a bad argument. Well, it's lower inflation because your wages won't go up if you're at the lower spectrum of wages. Mm-hmm. And that's not an argument to try to sell either. I'm like, well, the fact that this is a article, this is an article, this is an article talking about these two arguments that are being made is really pretty stupid because it's basic economics, supply yeah. and demand, not right. a story. Right. So I just, <laughs> uh, I find that interesting. Well, you know, um, you know, what's interesting is that we are at a point right now where, you know, and we talked about it recently with how years ago, we if we said there are jobs Americans don't want to do, we'd get nailed with calls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not so much anymore, but you still can't say, politically, you can't say, well, we need to focus on more legal immigration because the polls show the american people don't want that at least right now they don't Mm -hmm. and i don't know in the short term in the next two three years how much we're going to need in terms of uh people in the workforce if you do the just the simple numbers game it shows well we need more people but it's not a simple numbers game because it's also a matching game. You have to have the people that can do the jobs that are open, that that have these unfilled positions. And that's not going to be easy. And you're not going to get that done through immigration. There may be some patchwork you can do with immigration, but it's not going to solve the issue. And this is something that's going on, I mean, domestically, even outside of immigration. You talk about the number of jobs that are out there, and you can look at it and say, wow, you know, Biden with the learn to code. Well, it doesn't work that way. Now, there are people that change careers, but most people don't do that and don't go out and then invest in the education or the training or whatever it is in order to start that new career that's actually rare. It's not a a typical thing. 40-year-olds don't do that. Exactly. Not that it doesn't happen. We're saying it's not common. Yes, it's not typical. Right. For for the most part, people are educated in their younger years. Yes. And and, and they're also, you know, you you, kind of size up yourself by that time, maybe not 40, but certainly by the mid-40s, you you know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. You know the type of job that you might be good at and you could excel at, and you know the type of job that you can't. Like if I'm ever called to work with my hands, we're going to be doomed at my household. Um, 
<laughs> I actually am not afraid of labor, but it would have to be very simple labor. I would make a good hand on uh, on a construction site. That's about it. Um, but those are the things that you look at it, you know, and say, all right, so, so what happens? Well, that adapting to that, you know, how, whatever it's going to be that is the new driver uh, of that uh, uh, mismatch equation, because there are other drivers. It's not just COVID. Uh, it, COVID did have an impact on it, but a lot of it has to do with, with technology that is ramping up in part as also as a result of COVID, but, but also as a result of companies having to look to other ways in order to become efficient, which means automation, if you want to call it AI, whatever. And those adapting to that is more of a long-term game, not a short-term game. You know, I, I think of uh, a, uh, uh, a friend of mine, younger friend of mine. In fact, I just had a conversation with her uh, uh, yesterday, not on business, but you know. And I've often I've often talked about her because I I, I consider her uh, one of my unofficial daughters. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she was uh, somebody who was, uh, if you haven't heard the story, but she was somebody who was raised by a, you know parents that you know had addiction problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, had a lot of challenges uh, when I met her. And I met her because she was working in my one of my apartment complexes uh, office. And, um, you know, I always thought that she was some, you know, rich, spoiled brat, whatever. And when I found out, I was like, whoa. And then she had some challenges and her boss came to me one time and said, hey, could you mentor her a little bit? I didn't know I was going to gain a daughter. 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, she uh, it was working, you know, in the low-level apartment, you know, uh, assistant and, and all that, mm-hmm. and got an offer for commercial real estate. And uh, she asked me, and I said, if they're offering it to you, take it. I don't know how to do it. Learn quickly. Yeah. Everything that she has advanced to from someone who was a very low-level worker to now less than 10 years later, maybe eight could be, Mm -hmm. you know, top of the heap in commercial real estate. Yeah. Uh, She learned on the job. Right. She had no experience. GED, not even a high school education. Mm. Uh, GED, no college. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she a little. She had a little. It really didn't relate to commercial at all. She mm-hmm. may have had a couple of courses, but a GED. So, and top line, if you talked to her, you'd think, man, this is a profession. Man, this woman is so professional. She's just so so highly educated. Mm-hmm. No college, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it. I, I guess the the point is, it can be done. If you're a hard worker, yeah, and you're a people person, and you show up every day, and you show up every day. See, I think just knowing my past, I now this is going back. Well, this is going back right forty years ago. Probably a lot of stuff is CNC today. I don't know how many 
you know, regular laser are or, or mills or grinders or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I basically believe that you could learn. And I know some of my friends that were in uh, courses in six week courses that they learn machining. Yeah. Right. They learn the yeah. basics of it. Right. And if you had to run a CNC machine or whatever, well, the programming's done for you. You just have to know everything. You've got to be smart and you have to know what to do. But if you're smart and can do it, you can pick up on things. You can pick up on a lot of technical things quickly if you're really willing uh, willing to learn. Uh, one thing I saw, I saw a private college in New York that's now offering. I, I didn't get into the details of it. I'm be fascinating to see what they're offering it for. Uh, pretty expensive college now offering two-year degrees. Mm. What are they offering the degrees in? If you can offer a two-year degree, and you know from that particular college, which is quite prestigious, it's like, are they talking more trade? Do they realize now are co- private colleges, you know, smaller private colleges, looking at it saying, look, we've got to diversify. Well, it's you, know, the, and, you hit on something that that uh, in fact I was going to uh, when when you brought that up uh, about your friend and and no college and you know a lot of us fit that category, um, but knowing your strengths and weaknesses, you have to be willing to learn. You have to be a quick learner um, or someone who's really going to put everything into that moment of learning whatever it is of training there. But I think a lot of colleges now, if they haven't learned it there's going to be a lesson going forward where they're going to have to adapt. And that is to uh, start uh, uh, essentially producing graduates that are prepared to go into a work field. It is no longer, you know, several years ago when Mike Rose started talking about this, you know, and it, it really became popular on social media as he was talking about it. Now it is just a matter of fact. And it's not that a degree will get you nowhere. It's that there's going to have to be something on the other side. And I think the students themselves and also the families of those students are realizing, well, wait a minute, you know, where's the demand for the future? Where's the demand right now? So four to five years from now, where are you going to be? Where's that demand going to be? It's always been tricky to try and, and predict that. But you look at the long-term trends, and it still today uh, gets back to engineering roles. It gets back Mm -hmm. to, you know, and a lot of, you know, the IT thing is not dead. It's just what are those roles within IT going to be? You know, they they are changing. And so what are the roles going to be? Is it going to be more of the hardware design and less of the software design. I don't know. I, I can't tell you, but there are going, you know, it's shifting right now and it's a pretty seismic shift. And I think part of the discussion that has changed in part because of the whole college loan thing with Biden. And it comes down because even those who are neutral on that issue itself, and have never really said anything one way or the other, look at it and say, man, why are so many people right now struggling after graduating? Because if you're young and you're in college or about to start college, you look at it and go, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in the discussion about I can't pay my college loans off. 
I can't do this. I don't want to be in that place. I want to be in a place where I can go to a school if I'm going to do that, and then I can come out on the other side and I can earn something. And and that's what it comes down to. I think that's what it's really going to be going going forward. It's not going to happen do you, overnight. Do you see more internships coming out of colleges that are paid? Yeah. But you start when you go to college, so when you're yeah. done with college, yep. you're ready to go. A combination I can, I can of real-world experience On the job, and college training at the same and time. internships. Yep, yep, I could see that. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, we got up to 107 yesterday here, so but it was yeah. only 25% humidity by the time it got up to 107, so it only felt like 4,000 degrees. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. bad. I was actually doing work outside well, at and least wasn't really sweating. At least we've had a breeze. Yes. You know, we've had a bit yeah. of a breeze, and that really helps. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.